Hey guys, for this week's episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. So this idea is about this sentimental man, like discussing men with emotions, vulnerability, and talking about things that you usually don't hear men talk about, really delving into the divine masculine. And I had this idea about a podcast is called Sentimental. And so this was all before the Feeling Free podcast came to be. And I recorded a bunch of episodes that have been unreleased. And I am going to, we'll see how this one goes. So let me know what your thoughts are. But I wanted to show this um, because I think this is important that we talk about conscious men um, and really spread these messages and as a man talk about these types of things with other males. Um, Of course, anyone can listen, but I wanted to give you a background on this story. Um, So please share this with any conscious or unconscious or any type of man or female, anyone that could really resonate with this message because this is really important for everyone, but especially important for males of being okay with being sentimental, vulnerable, emotional, and all the things. So Let's go. Let's get into it. I hope you enjoy. And of course, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. I would appreciate it. Here we go. Welcome to the Feeling Free Podcast. My name is Ben Harris, also known as the Fear Guy. My job is to help you feel more free in your life with the love and relationships, self-worth, and much more. I'm happy you're here. I love you. I believe in you. Let's break free from fear together. For our very first episode on the Sentimental Man series, we have Eric Godzi. He is difficult to describe in the best way because I don't want to put a label on him, but definitely a student of life and an amazing teacher. We talk about the importance of crying, spiritual bypassing, listening and learning to emotions, the lessons we've learned in love and relationships. This gets deep. Enjoy. All right. Mr. Eric Godzi, how we doing, my brother? Good, man. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for making time for me because it is a Saturday you've been working so I sincerely appreciate you um and so this is a new podcast um and you you definitely came to mind when I was thinking of like what are my dream guests like you're on the list just so you know and the reason why is because you are you emulate you embody what I think it is to be a sentimental man. So how would you describe a sentimental man? Like to you, what does that mean? Hmm. I would say a sentimental man is a man who lives with an open heart and is willing to share what happens when the meat suit stumbles from trying to cope with everything that comes up from having your heart open to life Ooh, dude i might just use that for like the intro it's yours, yeah. <laughs> um so what are those some of the most memorable moments actually yeah we'll ask this first we'll just flow what are some memorable moments of you stumbling in your meat suit your body your flesh yeah man um the first one that comes up was so I did Wachuma for the first time two years ago, and that's a plant medicine that's mm-hmm. a derivative of San Pedro that is called heart opening. And mm. um, <clears throat> I did it in Peru under the guidance of uh, the late Don Howard. And I remember this very visceral moment on the second day that we drank 
he does this thing where he looks at you before he pours the cup and it looks like God itself is looking at you. Mm. And he looked at me in front of about 25 other people and he slowly brought his finger to his head and he shook his head no. And then he slowly pointed his finger to his heart and he shook his head yes. And I never felt so seen by a man in my life and I knew what he was saying was true and it was to get out of my head and to take it into my heart. Hmm. <clears throat> when I came back from that experience, my heart was open enough to really dive into a relationship. And um, I eventually got into a relationship where for the first time in my life, I felt, oh, this might be the woman that I'm going to have children with. Mm -hmm. And the stumbling was how I began to act once I started telling myself the story that she might be my one. <laughs> <clears throat> and we kind of talked about this at lunch the mm -hmm. other day, but my story for the last couple of years has always been oriented towards becoming the man that I know that is my potential to be. And then everything kind of organizes itself around that guiding star. And that's how I was in this relationship for the first couple of months when she was deeply attracted to me. And then once I had that moment of like, oh my God, what if this is the one? It completely changed my story unconsciously. And my story became, be the type of man that you think she would be the most attracted to. Mm -hmm. And it fucked everything up. <laughs> and it led to the relationship ending in probably the most painful way that I could ever fear a relationship ending, which is she cheated. Yeah. But... I played my part that led to that by changing my story from trying to be the man that I knew I'm meant to be to trying to be the man that I projected thinking she wanted. And that's probably the most visceral stumbling that's happened along the way recently. Mm. Dude, thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, like I, I, th I think I mentioned this at lunch that I went through almost the exact same thing of changing my story of initially what she was attracted to because I said the same thing of this is the person I could spend the rest of my life with. And then for me, it was out of a place of fear yep. of not wanting to lose that. Same. And I, and I acted differently. Same. Hmm. However, now we, now we know how to, how would we, I don't want to say hold, how would we describe that to, know we're better informed practiced to embrace that type of relationship later how would we describe that yeah for me it's recognizing the parts inside of me that led me to act in that new story and so the way that i conceptualize it is i have an inner boy i call him soul sol mm -hmm. um i can see what he looks like i know how he moves i know how he talks and he will tell the story if I'm not properly being his father, hmm. that the woman has to be our mommy. Oh. And when he starts to tell that story, he activates this guard that I call Samson, which is the part of me that is always worried that the woman will betray us. And mm. I have particular experiences in my early life where the pattern that I learned is that women will betray you. And it's becoming aware of when soul acts up because he triggers Samson and then being aware of when Samson is the one telling the stories that I'm telling myself about the relationship that I'm in. Hmm. And it's just being aware and knowing that it's not the truth. 
That's cool, dude. So for people who have never been introduced to this world, say this is the first podcast they've ever listened to with me or you, mm-hmm. or maybe ever. <laughs> um, this is, how would you describe, how would you introduce the right. benefit and maybe the not so benefit of telling yourself a story? Yeah, so I think the place to start is to recognize, and there's a bunch of quotes from a lot of smart people that basically say the same thing, but if you think you're one thing, you're asleep. Um, There's a quote by Gurdjieff that I really love, and it's that man is not singular, man is legion. And then there's a bunch of quotes by Jung which which say the same thing, and it's that there's a bunch of different characters inside of you. And they all have their own story. They all have their own goals. And a part of becoming what Jung would call an individualized person is Mm. to become aware of these different parts and to integrate them. And there's a psychological system that's called internal family systems, which is essentially this idea of recognizing that there are parts of you, which you could think of as characters, that you've exiled and soul, my inner boy, you could say is one of those characters. And because they're exiled, they're in the shadow. You can't see them, but they've created guards. And the guards are your patterns, your avoidant patterns that you use so you don't feel the emotion that the exile represents. Mm -hmm. So like the exile would represent betrayal. Mm -hmm. And then one of my guards is just don't trust women. And if you want so if you want to continue to live the life that you have now don't look at these parts because that's how you got here Hmm. um there's a quote by jung and it's until the unconscious is made conscious it will control your life and you will call it fate it doesn't have to be so you can change the story that you're living but a part of a part of changing the story is to recognize the story that brought you here And the story that brought you here is largely informed by the parts that you've exiled that are in the shadow and Mm. the guards that you've created so you can keep those parts in the shadow. Like if you're a binge drinker, that's one of your guards. If you're a chronic womanizer, that's one of your guards. If you're a workaholic, that's one of your guards. So that would be because that is guarding the genesis of that it's a behavior that you lean on so you don't have to feel the emotion that you find condemnable or bad. Okay. That makes sense. And, you know, we hear about the negative stories, Mm -hmm. right? That you tell yourself, Mm -hmm. do you view stories as good or bad? How do you view the stories? Stories are like money. They're Mm -hmm. like power. They're like water. They are a fact of your existence and they're tools. And, um, you cannot operate in the world mm-hmm. if you do not have a story. Everyone listening has a collection of stories of who they think they are now. And you can see those stories in how you describe who you are to other people. You can see those stories in how you allow people to treat you. Um, we also all have stories about where we're trying to be. We all have stories about what our ideal future is, and they inform the choices that we make every day. Mm stories and we said this at lunch and it was mm-hmm. organic but now I'm going to repeat it so it doesn't <laughs> feel quite as organic yeah. but it's still it's the truth mm-hmm. is that stories are the hands of the psyche it's your stories that allow your, you 
to engage with the world. We all have stories, but most of our stories are unconscious to us, and most of our stories conflict with each other. Like, for example, we might all have the story that <clears throat> we want to be a highly productive CEO, mm -hmm. but then we have the story we want to be the friend or we want to be the fun guy. And so when we're in a situation where it's Friday night, and we have both of those stories going on and someone invites you to go to a party that you know will lead you to doing cocaine and drinking a bunch and then you're going to be shit for the next four days. You have two conflicting stories, you know? And until you become really clear on what stories are your true soul calling and what stories are those guards, you know, mm -hmm. you can be in the same cycle for four years where you're like, I still have the job that I know I don't like. <clears throat> I still smash my consciousness every weekend because I don't like my job. I'm upset with the fact that I smash my consciousness with alcohol and cocaine every weekend. I know I'm not doing the thing that I want to do, and I'm fucking angry and depressed, and I'm hiding it, and, you know. Mm. So how do you view... Um, I'm just curious like substances right is it whether it's alcohol cocaine plant medicine whatever it is right i just want to hear because you have experiences like conscious intentional whatever it may be for people who've never experienced that i think it would be cool to hear do you view it the same way like money or like stories i do that right. it, it's a tool and it c could be yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts yeah. on that. So one way that I think about it is your conscious or your experience of life mm -hmm. is a simulation generated by your nervous system. And all of these quote-unquote drugs are mm -hmm. chemicals that you can take that alter the way your nervous system simulates reality. And so it comes down to intention. Mm. Um, why are you using this substance? Are you being an explorer? You know, like, because I think with the explorer attitude, every substance is okay to dance with. Hmm. But then also recognize, and this can be done with plant medicines just as viscerally as it can be done with alcohol. Are you choosing this thing to avoid? Are you choosing this thing to run away from? Hmm. Are you choosing this thing out of fear or out of guilt or out of shame or out of obligation? And if you're choosing it from that intention, you're not free. And then I think it automatically makes it what most people connote as a drug. Whereas if you choose it with intention of I'm doing this to be brave, I'm doing this to see more clearly. I'm doing this to open myself up to changing my stories, to be mm. more in alignment with what my soul is asking me to be. Then it's medicine. I like that dude. And then with your inner child, you name soul. Is that, where did I'm curious? I have a guess, but where did the name Soul come from? Um, Spanish for son. Okay, I was yeah. right. And but I also like the wink that you know, like he's mm -hmm. he's a part of my soul when he's healthy and taken care of. Mm, I like that a lot. What um, I loved, you know, you said a lot of great things. I loved at lunch, and then Soul Son. I think before, yeah, before we kind of just move on with this whole female relationship thing. Like we all, I used to think I had it all figured out. I think nothing, I thought nothing could affect me. I thought I was just Mr. Even Keeled. 
until that girl came along mm-hmm. and it totally shook me and yeah i just because i really did i i committed 100 percent like in my head and i told myself that she's the one so here we go i'm going all in and you described the masculine energy as the sun which it can it is known like that energy right like is the sun and so will you go into how masculine energy is the sun mm-hmm. but how you took that too far yeah so the archetypical expression of the divine masculine you could say on one level is how the sun is and it's that the sun is always giving light it doesn't care where it falls it doesn't care how the thing that receives the light responds <clears throat> it's sole focus mm-hmm. is to give light and it will do it until the day it dies um where i bastardize the divine masculine and tell myself it's the story of the divine masculine mm-hmm. is that when i find someone that i love that i want to be in a deep relationship with <clears throat> it's like i hijack the sun from its spot and I take it out of its natural cycle of descending below the curve of the earth where it provides darkness. And I just bring the sun mm. right up to this beautiful plant. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> I'm the sun. I'm, yeah. Look, I'm the sun. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if you do that, you will destroy the plant. And I think that um, <clears throat> it's a part of my own bullshit that we can get into if you want to. Let's but, freaking do it, dude. But that... um. <clears throat> part of my story about what it means to love somebody is to cultivate their higher self. And on one level, I think that that is a part of love, but it's a part of love, but it's the, it's the part of love that I'm most comfortable being in. Mm. And then I overdo it in relationships where I only want to interact with their highest self. I only unconsciously reward them for acting in their higher self. And you know, if, if if a plant has been starved of sunlight, that's a beautiful thing at the beginning. But they then, love it. They want all the vitamin D they can get. Right. <laughs> and there's puns there, too. <laughs> yeah. um, uh-huh. But plants need cycles. Mm-hmm. And if you're constantly just being that thing, it will wither the soul of the other person up. And then they will default. I love this so much. They will default into their guard patterns. And they will fucking run away. And Mm -hmm. the reason my last relationship ended so painfully was because um, I I wouldn't let her retreat. I kept bringing the sun to her over and over until the point where she had to like... She was trying to shut the blinds, but you're like, nope. Right. So like, (laughs) that's actually not loving. Mm. Uh, We talked about it, but it's like a personal trainer who's not confident in their ability to help people heal through the body. What do they do when they work someone out for the first time? They destroy them. And there's a part of um, me not being secure in my masculinity where I feel like I have to just constantly bring that. And um, it's from my insecurity. It's not it's not truly being the divine masculine. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just not you. I mean, it's definitely me. And that definitely comes from, I think, a lot of men, whether it's like we, tr- whether it's you want to fix something or even for us who I, w- I would deem as both woke, you know, in air quotes, individuals, um, adventurers, soul searchers, truth seekers, whatever. And 
I'm similar as you. I think that's why I relate so much to this is because I do want this person to live their highest self. So what does that actually look like? Like if we're looking at like tactically speaking, not just theory, how can we let our partners maybe like, what does that look like? Like the phases, right? The day, like the sun comes, it goes. What does that look like? Literally speaking. What's up, y'all? Before you hear Eric's answer, I want to tell you about the Freedom School. So the Freedom School, if you're looking for a community of rad individuals, it is our community of growth junkies, like heart-centered, growth-minded people coming together every single week. So we have a weekly workshop really discussing life's most intimate details of like, how do you write powerful affirmations? What is your relationship with money? How, like, how do you create ease? How do you get aligned in your life? How do you find purpose um like even overcoming shame and sex with your like the fear and the shame that comes in your sex and love life like we really focus on our giving you these skills and it's a group coaching atmosphere so if you are looking for a rad community to really delve in like if youtube and books and these types of things aren't helping and you were looking to get deeper then i encourage you to join the freedom school you get a free trial so for you listening to the podcast go to feeling-free.com slash membership and you get a free seven-day trial so you can join our next call all of our calls are recorded so we have a huge library of all our lessons you can go watch all the workshops all the things and then you can join our future workshops with me and other guest experts that we can help you help you for like i think it's a freaking deal (laughs) so i'd love to see you on our next call if this is you if you want to join me and other awesome people go to feeling-free.com slash membership and i'll see you you amazing human i will see you uh, i will see you on the next call i appreciate you so much all right y'all let's get back to the convo here's his answer i think literally speaking it's um cultivate seeing who they are not who you see they could be and then loving who they are and that recognizing that you cannot make someone transform ever period and that the most effective way to help someone step into their true calling is to love them as they are to the point where they feel safe Mm. and then they will do it on their own and then the thing to recognize is know what your boundaries are know what it is that you want And if you loving them as they are leads to them consistently transgressing your boundaries, you end the relationship or you at least end the relationship in a romantic way or in Mm -hmm. in the romantic sense. And so a part of it is like I create Evernote documents for people that I start dating and like I'll keep track of like, I love it, dude. Like when their birthdays are, what gifts they love, what things really light them up. But I'll also pay attention, like I'll also write down the behaviors of who they are now. So I can see very clearly, like there's a quote by Emerson that I love. And it's that what you do speak so loudly, I cannot hear what you say. Mm -hmm. And just keep an inventory of the set of behaviors that they are now and love them, but also I haven't done this yet, but I should, and I will when I get into my next deep relationship, but Mm. articulate my boundaries, Mm. you know? And when they transgress your boundaries, speak to them in truth, communicate, and be willing to do the dance, you know, because a part of your boundaries aren't always right. 
And I think that there's a deeper lesson that we fall in love with people who we are ready to be taught by. And that if you let yourself love them, you'll probably renegotiate a little bit of your boundaries, but don't Mm -hmm. break them or only you can intuitively know what boundaries are ready to be molded. Mm. And, um, so it's seeing who they are, knowing the list of, of action patterns of the behaviors that represent who they are now, know what your boundaries are. And when they get crossed, communicate and then feel when like, I'm in a dance with someone now that, um, because I'm articulating my boundaries and I'm paying attention to who they are now, it very likely will not stay a romantic relationship. Hmm. And that it's, it's, it's also a function of faith that if you are in your truth and you move towards the you that you can feel you're called to be, that the right person will find their way into your life and you don't have to force any relationship to stay in something that's not truth. Mm. What is your experience with, um, what do you know your Enneagram types? I did it a couple of years ago and I would uh-huh. um, venture to say that I'm different now, but I think I had three that were the same score. I think it was like oh, a, wow. a one, four and a five or a one and a three and a four. Okay. So I asked that just because of the next question of what are some things you've tried to force? Because mm. is that something, I think that's part of the masculine energy, like doing 100%. action, trying to make something happen. So what other instances because I know we can all relate of trying to force something instead of just, dude, it is hard to surrender, bro. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like, because we were, we're told to take action. And if you're not taking action, you're weak, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So th- the thing that I offer there is the action that I take mm-hmm. that is deeply masculine, or at least just deeply divine, I think, is I am going to share my truth. Like if you're in a relationship with me, you're going to get my truth. Mm-hmm. And that's the action that I will take. But I surrender to what the outcome is for me speaking my truth. I like this. So surrendering the outcomes. Right. Like so many people waste so much energy trying to figure out what to say so they can get the outcome they want. And I just don't do that. I Ooh, just I forgot about this. That's true. I just give that up. And it's... It's a quasi dogmatic belief that if I Mm -hmm. speak what feels like my truth in the moment to the best of my ability, whatever happens is the best possible thing that can happen. And so the surrendering is what happens as a result of me being honest, you know, Mm. have you, do you implement the same mindset at work? So the truth is no, the truth is Mm. that, the way that I see it at work is um, if you imagine that your truth speaking is an instrument in a symphony, um, when it comes to my personal life, I am the main instrument. And mm-hmm. I, and so I don't have to, I, I frankly don't care about how the other instruments respond. I'm the center instrument. I'm going to speak my truth and those that resonate will find their place in the symphony at work. I'm not the center instrument. And so it's it's about feeling the tune of what's happening there. Mm. Never to lie outright, but to know 
when to play certain notes, you know, because if my highest goal is that the symphony works, I have to have the emotional intelligence to feel the right timing, you know? And so <laughs> I will never outright lie at that. work, but, um, I have to feel the song, you know, because it's, mm. it's not just about me. It's about the health of the entire orchestra. Mm. I love that dude. And you mentioned earlier that you were the like unofficial psychologist for the team, right? Mm -hmm. So what have you learned from, because, you know, you have a really cool story about, you know, working at Chipotle, you know, and like, <laughs> and you were, you know, you were coaching people individually and then you try to get a job at, on it. You didn't get it. Eventually you got it. Um, what have you learned bringing, I mean, you're perfect for this, you know, this organization, like your mindset, it's so perfect, but what have you learned to like bringing your mindset to an office setting? What has it taught you? Ooh, a lot. Um, but I think that the core thing is that I recognize that, um, I'm very emotionally tuned to other people's emotions. And I think um, there's actually really interesting research on if you have an emotionally volatile parent, you're more likely to have high empathy slash intuition because a part of you protecting yourself as a child was to be able to feel the emotional state of that parent. And oh, wait. So if we have a highly volatile, emotional volatile parent, mm -hmm. research shows that we're more empathetic because we've got to be ready to protect and get ready if they're going to get right explode or whatever. We have to be able to intuit their emotion without mm. them speaking. Roger that. And so I had an emotionally volatile mother and it was never violence, but it was always um like she had chronic deep depression episodes. And um as the oldest boy, quote unquote, I felt responsible as a child to like I found that, ooh, if I said the right thing or if I do the right thing, yeah. mom's a little bit happier. And so um, as a child, I very quickly learned to in, to be able to feel her emotional states. So when I'm at work, I can feel the team's emotional states. And the thing that I've learned probably most viscerally is I just have to ask them to go on a walk. We'll go on a walk around on it. And I simply have to listen and then hear what authentically comes up inside of me and then just offer it. And mm. that's it. That's it. Um, what's one thing that you think is a misconception about emotions? Being mm. emotional, being sentimental, open. What's mm. a what's one of the misconceptions that you see re um, reoccur? Hmm. Um. So the first two things that come up are kind of the the exaggerated sides of both poles. And one pole is that all emotions are weakness, and the other pole is all emotions are true and valid. And I think that both of those are misconceptions. Mm -hmm. I think emotions are essentially messengers from your psyche to your ego that are trying to get you to behave in a way that's more adaptive. And there's, I think a, the quote is by Rumi, and it's... A, it's it's a poem that I don't know off the top of my head, but I cited enough where I should probably memorize <laughs> it. But yeah. it's about let the visitor in. 
and invite them to sit down and have tea and just listen to them. And all of your emotions are like visitors who are coming to your home and they might come in and they're beautiful and they just want to sit down and talk and you love having them. And some of them will come through and they will tear up the fucking house. But your job Mm -hmm. each time is to sit in that chair, make the tea. And when they're ready to sit down, they'll sit down and they'll talk to you. And it's about the way that I see it. It's almost like how a mythical king would deal with like an angry person from the kingdom coming with like a transgression. The function of the king is to find the way to honor the transgression in a way that's for the best for the entire kingdom. So Mm. like if you have an angry farmer who feels like the smith is not honoring the cattle, you know, he might say like, I want you to throw the smith in jail. It's like, no, that's not the proper way to respond to what this is. But maybe what it can be is you bring the smith out too and then you have them talk out a resolution. And so for example, like, if you haven't been enforcing your boundaries in a relationship for two months, eventually your inner warrior is going to be like, you should fucking cheat or you should do something mean to them or do you like you should destroy them or whatever. No, but you can hear that emotion. You can let it bring you the message it's meant to bring you. And then you can act in a way that's in accordance. That's the best for the entire organism, which might be like, write down exactly the three behaviors that have most hurt you in the last couple of months. Be willing to have a conversation with them that these are the things that I'm feeling when you do this. And here are my requests that I would like from you. If you would like to try to find a way for us to continue to dance together, Mm. you know? And so emotions are messengers. It doesn't mean that they're infallible, but they are for sure useful. And your responsibility is to hear them and then to find the most adaptive way to honor them. I love that dude. And have you had experience? Like, I mean, I assume you have cause you're human, <laughs> but shutting off emotions, like someone's coming in trying to have tea with you and you lock the door for sure. Um, so in the most recent relationship that I've been dancing with the last couple of weeks, um, it's oscillated between like, deep attraction and then I'll hear Samson you know and Samson will start to tell the story of like she's gonna hurt you you should just remove yourself and like what that would look like is don't text back don't reach out mm-hmm. um, with this ex-lover no with this current oh current that okay, okay. could become okay. a deeper relationship but we're in this weird dance um And then it's about becoming aware like, oh, that's Samson. He's strategizing that we should withhold love. Mm. And the answer is just no. Like, I'll hear what you have to say. I can feel that you're afraid. But we're going to choose to live with the chest open right now. And so that means like we are going to text her back when it's on our time. You know, like Mm -hmm. we're not going to ignore it, but I'm also (laughs) not going to stop talking to the person in front of me to respond to this text, you know. Mm. I think that that's a practical, um, recent example of like, there's a part of us that's always trying to get us to shut our heart because it's afraid. Dude, constantly. Um, so, you know, without giving too much out, when was, when you were, you know, 
tempted to close your heart, how did you open it? Like, what did you do? Was it just like the text back? Was it just like in, just like figuratively opening your heart, just like in your mind? Yeah. What did that look like when you opened your heart? Yeah. At the point that I'm at right now, um, I don't have to do anything other than to remember. So Mm. I just have to bring awareness back to it. And so like, really it's as simple as, uh, I can feel that, um, I haven't been as connected to her as I have been for the last couple of weeks. And she texts me and I can feel the part that I would call Samson is like, we're not going to, we're not going to respond to that because it wasn't as deep as we wanted. Like a text wasn't as deep. Right. Interesting. And so like, um, I'll go through my work day and then I'll go work out and then working out is really a great way for me to like reconnect to this part of me that is powerful and calm and Mm -hmm. knowing And then after I work out, like I'll send her a song that like, we have this thing where we send each other songs that we like. Mm -hmm. I'll send a song that I love and that's it. But it's no words, just a song. Right. Like Mm. because the text before didn't really like, it didn't carry the conversation forward. Okay. You know? And so the Samson part would be like, I'm just going to stop, you know? But like, I know for me that that's me being small and that's me Mm. withholding love. You know, because I genuinely heard this song that made me think of her. So I'm going to share it, you know, and it's, like that. it can be that simple. What if someone who isn't at the point you're at, right? Just a simple awareness shift. You've done a lot of work. What if someone is at the very beginning of they're married or whatever it is, and they're scared shitless of just being vulnerable, like showing like, hey, I'm afraid. Hey, I lost my job or whatever it may be, whatever we're afraid of. What's one small thing that we can do just to start to activate the opening of the heart? Yeah. It's being honest and open with yourself. And for me, that's journaling. And Mm -hmm. so if you're in a situation where what you're feeling is too strong to share with somebody, at least be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. And so like what that looks like is I will open up, a word document and Evernote or I'll write with a piece of paper and I'll, and I'll just write down like I just got fired and I'm afraid to tell anyone in my life. And then I'll just start writing. I'll set a timer for 20 minutes. I don't think I don't edit. I just start writing about like whatever is on my heart about that idea and just cultivating the primary relationship which is the one with myself like can I be honest with the fact that I'm terrified and that I'm scared and that I'm angry and that I feel shame and like because what a lot of people who are spiritual quote unquote Mm -hmm. is they won't even be honest with themselves that these are feelings that they're feeling because it's positive vibes only and like Mm. that's denial that's spiritual bypassing like you are in a body you have an ego you're going to feel all of the emotions that come with being a person and being in a body and having an ego. And a part of the spiritual path is admitting it, allowing it, recognizing that it's a part of being a person, you know? And so for people just starting, it's about, can you be honest with yourself? And I find that journaling is the most effective way to start that dance. Dude, I love that. And even how you said, because I feel like some of us, well, I don't know where to start or I don't know how to journal or how to write. You literally just said, 
just just say I'm afraid of because I just lost my job. Like literally whatever you're thinking, just just start that process. Yeah. And the book that I would recommend for people who think that I don't know how to journal, I don't know where to start. It's Mm -hmm. called the artist's way by Julia Cameron. And the core idea is every day, first thing in the morning, you just write whatever is on your mind. You don't ever reread it. You don't show it to anybody else. You don't edit anything. And you just write for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes. What most people do when they journal, if they're being honest with themselves or if they're aware enough, Mm -hmm. is that they're anticipating it being reread by either them or someone else. And so they think that it has to be wise, Mm -hmm. it has to be smart, has to be insightful. No. It can literally be, I don't know what to say. I'm afraid right now. I don't know if I'm doing this right. Am I even doing this right? Like, I I have to get cat food. (laughs) I don't feel good in my body. I I feel like I haven't. And then you just fucking go. Mm Mm-hmm. And the key is you don't even reread it. You just write. And that the only thing is just fucking be honest. And like that really I feel like was the beginning of my quote unquote spiritual dance is I religiously wrote for like 45 minutes and I don't recommend that to everybody. (laughs) every, Every morning for I think like two or three months and it completely changed my life, man. Like, How did it change your life? I was able to be honest with myself. Like, I was able to start admitting to myself. Like, if if you aren't at a point where you can be radically honest with someone in your life, and you don't know how to do it with yourself, yes. you're going through life never having an authentic conversation. And if you're waiting for someone to show up in your life that you can have it with, you're going to be waiting, mm. but you can start today with yourself through journaling and just knowing that like, I know that no matter what is happening in my life, I have a place that I can go to have an authentic conversation and it's with myself and it's through journaling. Mm. Dude, that's powerful. What's one thing, you know, if you're willing to go here, whether it's currently in the past, what's something that you've had shame over mm. that you've healed or maybe you haven't healed. Yeah. Um, no, I have healed it because I can share it. Um, mm. cause whenever the shame thing would come up, I would always think of this thing first and then I wouldn't say it. Oh. Um, so I'm not circumcised. And when I was 11, mm. I saw a female comedian on a stand-up comedy, make a joke that all the good men are either gay or n- uncircumcised and Mm. as an 11 year old i just downloaded shame isn't that interesting shame yeah yeah and um it wasn't until i was i think maybe 21 when i started to recognize like oh i feel shame about not having genital mutilation done to me because my culture has told itself that it's the right thing to do and I've never actually had an experience with a woman where she Said cared anything or, right, yeah. ever. Um, and as I've had more relationships with women and I've been more honest with the fact that I had shame about this, like it's gone, you know, mm-hmm. and it's gone through um, being vulnerable and sharing it. You know, and what's interesting is that I've healed it enough where I can talk about it, but I still feel my face getting hot. 
talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things where emotions. So I've honored that shame for 10 years by allowing it to inhibit my authentic expression. And so that's in my body. And, um, I no longer allow it to inhibit me, but like the energy in my body still has to digest and it's going to slowly digest every time that I'm vulnerable and I talk about it and I share about it. And, you know, eventually I'll be able to talk about it where it doesn't make my face, my face hot, Mm -hmm. but today's not. (laughs) Well, dude, thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Um, because yeah. And I've, I'm like, I know I have those things cause I've thought about that. Um, of just, yeah, like a com a comedian that has no intention and she has no idea that some kid is listening and then is going to have shame over that. And it's just, but it's like having compassion mm-hmm. for that kid. Yeah. You know, of like, Man, yeah, thanks for saying that, dude. I appreciate that. Yeah, and to recognize that that was an unconscious story that I had for about 10 years that kept me from sharing love with women who wanted my love Hmm. because I had shame. Like, dude. Yeah, tell me about that. Dozens of relationships that I could feel could have been relationships in high school that I did not allow to become relationships because I had shame. Because you didn't want to have sex? Is that why? Okay. And dude, like, I didn't have sex for the first time until I was 19. Uh-huh. And the moment it happened for the first time, and I saw, and I felt, like, how good <laughs> it felt to just exchange that uh-huh. energy and not yeah. be in shame. And um, just how beautiful it was. Like, I recognized that I withheld that from dozens of women who and genuinely, yourself. yeah, and myself, mm-hmm. who genuinely wanted it with me. Yeah interesting um dang dude i love that and speaking of you know you as a child one thing that i love about you is how much you want to be a dad Mm. and i think this would be really cool for whether it's men listening or even women or anyone about so can you tell people kind of like your dream like situation because I love how you have your own definition of this. It's not being a rich CEO. I just like tell people kind of like your life yeah, routine you see for sure. in the near future. I want to be good enough at business where I can create a system that allows me to record podcasts, make online courses, and write books in a way where once the system is set up, I don't have to worry about money, but I'm I'm not trying to live an extravagant life. But it frees me up enough where I can do deep work every day, but that I can then show up fully as a father mm. to my wife and my children uh, from the time my children are born until the youngest one is like 10. And then once I've done that part of my life, which is the part of my life that I know that I'm doing all this spiritual work to show up to as completely as I can. And I know I can't be perfect and that's not what the goal is, but Mm -hmm. is to give my family the gift of a sentimental man who's present for that really important part of their life. And then once the youngest is like 10, then I'll look at my business and then I'll be like, how big do I want to make this thing? You Mm -hmm. know, and then I'll do whatever that dance is. 
What scares you about being a dad or a husband or anything? I mean, <laughs> the thing that's going to scare me is uh, if they die. Oh, for sure. That honestly, that I don't. Oh, yeah, that's terrifying. But the but the fact is, is that um, I am willing to feel the grief of having a wife or child die if that means that I get to love them completely yeah. and presently and Ooh. openly. And like, I will pay that price. And of, of course, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would love for them to all outlive me. But if that fear is keeping me from fully showing up to my love for them, um, I, I will not let that happen. I will, yeah. I'm, I'm going to open my heart to that family and give it completely. Mm. And, you know, grief is the cost that I think you pay for truly loving something completely. And um, I think a lot of people get non-attachment wrong. I think people think that non-attachment means that you don't ever allow yourself to get attached. And I think what non-attachment is, is not restraining or resisting what is arising. And so when you have a child, you will be attached. And I think that the non-attachment is actually not resisting the fact that you will be attached. Ooh, I love that. Will you repeat that? I think non-attachment is not resisting the fact that you will be attached. And that when you lose that thing, non-attachment is not resisting the fact that you will be grieving and to allow yourself to grieve. And that it's almost like grieving is how you process attachment, you Mm. know? And I think that the way you alchemize it is through tears. Like, I think that tears is the body's response to digesting attachment, you know? But like, I would much rather live a life where I loved life so deeply that when I lost something, I grieved mm-hmm. than to live a life where I never felt grief. Like hmm. I will accept that cost. Now grief and suffering are different. It's the difference between like breaking a bone and then telling yourself a story for a year that the bone shouldn't have ever have been broken. Ooh. You know, like, I think that that's the difference there. Like, you're going to feel pain, but suffering is the stories that you tell after the pain experience is gone, you know? Mm-hmm. Dang, man, that's powerful. And I can, like, feel it. I was, I'm, like, getting teared, teared eye right now. Just, I'm like, yes, like, love to the fullest, man. And I know you're, did I cry this morning watching um, Kobe Bryant's What the Lakers the tribute yeah. oh man dude that was like oh my god <laughs> so what is for people who are uncomfortable crying or view it as weakness or even are still okay crying and resist it like me like right now like i'm getting teared but i'm like resisting it why why should we just talk about the benefits of crying <laughs> yeah yeah, man. Um, I think crying is one of the ways that you celebrate living. 
Ooh. And it's not, I don't know a way to teach it through words. It's just, it's something that you have to experience somatically. But like, I love crying. Mm-hmm. You know, I cry almost every day at least mm-hmm. once. And it's almost always because I feel myself being moved. Oh, and yeah, that, that's awesome, too. And that it's beautiful. Like, I'm going to go watch Little Women, the movie, alone tonight. And oh, I, dude, I'm like, <laughs> and I know, I it, And I know I will uh, cry. And mm-hmm. I love it. Like The new one or the older one? The new one that just came out that's, that's really in good. theaters. Like, yeah. I know, and I cry mm-hmm. almost every time I see a movie trailer. And, mm-hmm. like, I love it. I, um, I love crying, which is, I don't know if I've ever thought about it, but, um, <laughs> but it's because almost like, yeah. there's a weird, if you're paying attention when you cry, I think you can feel, are you crying from the fact that you're repeating stories or mm. are you crying from the felt experience of the thing before you? And I almost never cry from repeating stories, but I'm almost always moved to tears from the felt experience of something beautiful. Mm. And um, my crying is almost always like, it's like two to five tears. There's no like sniffle or like, it it just comes. Um, Now, if something's really moving or really sad, I'll do that ugly cry shit that we all do. (laughs) But like, it's Uh weird. It's kind of like throwing up. Like when I Hmm. throw up, I know that it's actually healing me. Like I know that makes you feel better. The act of doing it is actually my body healing something. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with crying. Like when I feel tears come, it's like, oh, my body is healing. Like it's it's processing energy, you know. Mm. Dang, man. Um what else is on your heart right now, man? To be honest, nothing because mm. um because of the way that you were at lunch, I just knew that you would have questions and like, there's mm-hmm. nothing on me right now. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, I feel good. I feel, yeah, I just feel, I mean, you moved me to tears, man. So thank you just from your energy, dude. So thank you for being, thank you for ex- your example. That's what I want to say is, you are very wise. You're educated. You know, you have the experience to back it up. You, you for sure have the intellect, but the first time I met you in person, you gave me a hug that I've never felt before. And for real, dude, I've never felt a hug like that before. I was like, this is, and I love how you mentioned, you combine the adjectives powerful and calm. And I love combining those adjectives too, because they usually don't go together. Yeah. But when someone has such a powerful calmness to them, it's such an amazing mixture and that's what you have. Thank you. And, um, sometimes, yeah, but (laughs) you know, that's part of it. (laughs) So yeah, I like you have the intellect, but you also have the feel you lead by example. So that's what I just want to thank you for. Thank you, brother. Mm -hmm. And thank you for seeing it. You know, my man, um, Dang. Okay, well, we'll wrap this up. I'm sure. I think I had other questions, but I feel I feel good. Anything? Anything else? Thank you. <laughs> You're the man, dude. And then what is? Actually, no. We'll do on this new podcast. I don't want to do 
the typical promotions. People will be moved emotionally and they'll find you. Heard. All right. Love you, dude. Love you. Thank you. All right, y'all. You know what to do. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes. Leave that review. I would deeply, deeply appreciate it. And share this episode with someone you love, especially that sentimental man that you know that needs to hear this, that would vibe with this, because you know we're going to get deep. And let me know on Instagram, at the Fear Guy. If you want to know more, like if you want more episodes released like this, tell me because I want to know. And make sure you go follow Eric as well at Eric Gazi. You can also find his link um, in the show notes. So let us know what you think. Tag us on Instagram at the fear guy at Eric Godsey. Let us know what you think of the episode. I appreciate y'all so much. All right, y'all. So each week I tell you a fear to freedom story. So what this is, it's story from one of my clients who went from true deep like life ran by fear. And then they are accessing freedom and living a life of serious joy, abundance, peace, ease, love, loving themselves, the authentic selves, and just overjoyed, like really. So I share this every single week. And this week's Fear to Freedom story, they're inspiring, they're real, they touch me and they inspire me, so I want to share them with you. So here is how this client described herself at the beginning of our time working together. Deep deep inside, she she is uncomfortable, trapped in her potential, not at peace, Feels like there's a lot of potential being wasted because of hesitation and she's not letting go, not trusting her gut, feels very afraid in general and held back, fearful in relationships, used to be in a very long-term emotional abusive relationship, was afraid of losing it, even though it was abusive, and being alone. She started dating straight away after she broke up because she didn't want to be alone. She just wanted to be with people and just started dating a lot. It's really, really difficult to be alone. And just repeating the cycle, um, like she's suffocated by silence, can't be alone, needs to be with someone always, doesn't know about healthy boundaries, people pleaser, doesn't stand up for herself, lowers her, lowers her standards and just wired to please others. She literally said, I'm wired to please others. Hasn't been good to herself, agreed to stay in situations that disrespect her. She has disrespected herself and she's, she feels humiliated, humiliated for allowing herself to be disrespected. Oh man. (laughs) Woo. So all of these different things, basically what this says is this is a fear of disappointment, trying to be perfect and never feeling good enough. So you get the picture, right? Of what this person has been feeling and going through. I mean, go rewind and listen back to that because I don't want that just to be like a list that I'm reading. This is real life, a real person. And you also might be feeling this. Um, So this is, that's literally what they've been going through. So now I want to look at the progress they've made. Um, And what I'm about to tell you is a goal that they actually made, which is really cool. So we set goals, we set outcomes and intentions while working together. And one of the goals she set was this. I don't think at all what people think of me, let alone care. I am myself inside out. I am never afraid to speak my mind. People who don't like me for who I am, flaws and all, have zero effect on me. So that was one of the goals, right? Is like, she doesn't care what people think. She's, she's herself. Really what this means is I am myself and I love myself and it, it doesn't bother me when other people are insecure around me or disagree or have something to say about me. Um, and what she said recently was that when she first wrote this goal, that this did not feel like her, it literally felt like someone else. Like it felt utopian is what she said. Like 
it was a utopian thing that she didn't seem it didn't it felt fake like she was a fraud it wasn't her but now she says it describes me which is amazing and earlier when we were discussing the feelings of fear that she's been having the main thing right is that she couldn't be alone right is that she needs to be with someone always and she can't be alone um but what she's realized since is that she's learning to depend on herself the most and i quote her when she said what you have with yourself is more stable than what you have with someone else what you have with yourself is more stable than what you have with someone else that doesn't mean we don't like connection and love and all those things of course we want that those are amazing things but she's learning to depend on herself more than others which is amazing and she also said i would be lost if i was on my own but not anymore I would be lost if I was on my own, but not anymore. So how in the hell, right? Like how in the person, how in the hell did the person go from, I can't be alone and I need to be with someone. I like, I just have to be like, I don't like silence. I need to be with someone all the time to not anymore. And I'm learning to depend on myself and I like being by myself. That is amazing. So I share this with you because I want you to know that change is possible. It is real. It is attainable. And you've heard it. Like these are real stories. And you heard how run by fear this person was. And now they are doing the work to move through through it. It's amazing. And you can do it too. And that is the whole point of this is the result of leaning into that fear. Because you are just, by you not leaning into fear, by you avoiding it at all costs, you are damning yourself. You are literally choosing to remain in fear. So that's why I want to tell you this because leaning into fear is miraculous. It's straight up a miracle. I've seen some amazing thing happen. Some amazing thing, amazing things happen. Once you lean into fear, you learn how to feel it. You learn how to overcome it with the techniques and you come at it from a loving and accepting way instead of just avoidance and resistance and anger and fear. So I tell you this because if this is you, then I encourage you to hop on over, go to my website, because I'd love to work with you. I'd love to help you go from fear to freedom. I absolutely love it. And I know that you will love it because you've heard this story of how some one person can make such changes so quickly. And it was going to happen quicker than you think it will. Even if you don't believe it, even if you're listening, say, that's not me. That can't happen for me. I promise that it can. You just have to take that first step because I believe in you and I know it's possible. So go to feeling-free.com slash coaching to book your first call and let's freaking do this thing. That's feeling-free.com slash coaching. You can review all the testimonials from other clients, um, from what their experience, all the graduates. You can read testimonials so you can get a feel so it's not just me and you can get the feel for other amazing stories. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for, t- for tuning in to this episode. Thank you for listening to the end to hear the fear to freedom story. I hope it inspires you to lean into the fear, to choose fear, to not avoid it because it is a great teacher. And man, I love you. I believe in you. Hit me up on Instagram. If you have any questions, please post this. Um, If you're listening to it, I'd love to know what your thoughts are. And remember, subscribe, leave a review. And I love you. I believe in you. Have one amazing, one hell of amazing day.